from the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez, America's favorite late night talk program featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. Welcome to the Monday night edition of the program. If you want to join us, give us a call, 833-482-5337. To be woke or not to be woke, that is the question. Wokeness seems to be infecting us everywhere we turn. Everywhere. I mean, it absolutely everywhere you look, there's... Uh, wokeness infecting our culture, right? For example, you got wokeness in the schools. Not only are they teaching kids in kindergarten, first grade, second grade, um, or more principally, I should say, uh, grades five through eight, about gender ideology, queer theory, et cetera, et cetera. But they're also teaching them critical race theory under the guise of diversity, equity, and inclusion, and uh, social and emotional learning, and all this stuff that hasn't always been at the forefront of the classroom, but it's wokeness, right? It's this wokeness that's infecting our culture in so many ways. You've got wokeness in the government when you listen to Biden speak, and we'll get into all, all these other areas of wokeness, but I wanted to talk about how it's infecting and affecting children in schools. Story from today. Las Vegas teen, 17 years old, killed after 15 black people attacked him outside of a high school. Now, the race doesn't really matter. He is a white kid, like long blonde hair. But I mention it because when it's the other way around, when it's a, a white person that kills a black person, it's always prominent in the headlines. And when it's the other way around, it's not always so prominent. A, this story is not being very widely reported. And B, not, not very many, if any, are mentioning uh, what actually happens in the video where he's attacked. And th this poor kid, and I say he's a poor kid because... He tried to stick up for somebody that was smaller than him. And then this group of 15 uh, other teenagers attacked him, stomping on him. His name, Jonathan Lewis Jr. And it's heartbreaking. You know, I have an 18-year-old daughter. So I, you know, in some way, I, I try to relate to this. And he gets... Uh, attacked near Rancho High School in Las Vegas. He died in the hospital some days later. His father, Jonathan Lewis Sr., uh, shared a, a video on uh, a message on GoFundMe. And uh, they've raised some money for the kid. But he was pronounced dead at the hospital after being beaten to death. Wokeness in schools, wokeness in the media where they're afraid to report the story the way it is or report all stories the same way. 
right? When it's the other way around, when the the the, the gentleman who ran through the um, the uh, houses that were under construction. And the guys in the pickup truck ended up getting into a scuffle and shooting him, and they, they got convicted, and I think they all got life, two or three of them. That was a very clear case, right? And and they made it very clear in the media, white men kill black teen. But here you have white teen killed by 15 black teens, and it's not reported that way. And one has to ask, why? And listen, I have no problem with the headline being devoid of racial descriptors. I don't think you need them. But it seems that the media will only put them when it's one way, not the other way. And I don't think you could say it's less newsworthy one way or the other. It's wokeness. Now, some will argue and say, no, 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 but it's not just wokeness. This is because they're pushing an agenda. That may be entirely true, and I'm not refuting that. But what I am saying is that wokeness is infecting our culture. You've got wokeness in universities where they're now, it's almost like commonplace if you're a university student, you're pro-Hamas. You've got wokeness in the workplace. You guys have all seen that with all the trainings that you have to do online and otherwise to make sure that you're up to speed with the wokeness. You've got wokeness in the military. With uh, the Pentagon now saying, you can't have any Bible verses on your dog tags. Now, this is an interesting one because these things are voluntary. And our very own military has military chaplains. They have Muslim chaplains, Jewish chaplains, Christian chaplains, Catholic chaplains, uh, Methodist ones. I mean, for every uh, Christian tradition, they have them. So why is it that we can offer spiritual support through commissioned officers on the battlefield and on base and in the military, but a soldier who historically has always been able to have a dog tag with um, Joshua 1-9 on it, for example, now, now they can't. Now, 247 years uh, later... Now they can't because they don't want that to be a violation of the establishment clause of the Constitution, saying that the government shall not establish a religion, right? The government's not going to force you to have a religion. If it's voluntary for you and you want to have this on your dog tag with your name and stats on the other side, what's the big deal? Well, again, the big deal, pressure from the left. Because I submit to you that wokeness equals godlessness. And God-fearing people, whether you're an atheist or not, most atheists I know, they don't want to believe in God, and that's on them. But they also don't poo-poo you for believing in God, for having a faith that you adhere to. They're, they're kind of libertarian, if you will. You know, they're like, hey, look, you want to do what you want to do? You do you. I'm do me. That's fine. Ultimately, this stuff is running out of control. And it's taken over, in my opinion, every aspect of society. I can't think of somewhere where wokeness isn't taking over. 
We've seen it in our justice system. We've seen it in local courts. We've seen it with local prosecutors' offices, with DAs that are saying, you know what, too many young black men go to jail. So rather than have reform at any other level, we're going to have reform by not prosecuting certain crimes. It's absolute insanity. And people are losing their lives over this. There was that uh, Hamas rally the other day where there was a, uh, a counter-protest and the 69-year-old man was killed. I mean, how much more of this do we have to see before we realize this stuff is destroying America? So when people say, oh, you're always talking about the same stuff, we got to talk about this stuff. If we're not talking about it, how are we going to address it? How is it going to be part of the national dialogue? We can't just sit here idly by and allow it to happen. So I want to talk about wokeness. I want to talk about life in general as we, uh, you know, just kind of take a pause and look at how things go, right? Are we in the driver's seat or not? How do people deal with, with, with life, with losing things and living with no regret? We'll get into that. Plus, I want to talk about big tech. How do we contain it? How do we protect our civil rights, our economy, and our democracy, this great uh, republic that we live in? Well, we're going to dig into all of that tonight. I'm with you for the next uh, three hours, straight till 1 a.m. So uh, kick back, relax, turn the volume up, gather the family around the radio. We're doing some old school talk radio tonight. Of course, you're welcome to join us with your calls, 833-482-5337. Hour number three is open phones. Uh, before that, we'll be taking calls on on what our guests are discussing. And I'm looking forward to jumping into this with you. But we need to learn how to be unwoke and how to help our fellow man become unwoke. And we're going to do more of that straight ahead with Senator Ted Cruz. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. But as you know, Eamon, I also think that we can't take our base voters for granted and particularly young people and folks of color across the country um, who are reacting right now to the war in the Middle East um, are going to be very important to our electoral success in 2024. And I think that we have to keep our pedal to the metal. We can't get complacent and think that abortion is going to save us. It is certainly going to help us, but it's not going to save us. And we've got to make sure we're paying attention to our base voters. That's uh, Congresswoman Pramila Jayapal on MSNBC yesterday saying that young people protesting Israel will be important for Democrats to win in 2024. And of course, they can't make a comment unless they're talking about somebody's age, somebody's color. And it's always about people of color and young people and women and trans this and trans that. And the, the wokeism seems to be infecting America at every turn. And our guest to talk about wokeism and talk about some of the biggest headlines uh, of the night 
is none other than uh, U.S. Senator Ted Cruz. He's the author of a brand new book, Unwoke, How to Defeat Cultural Marxism in America. Senator Ted Cruz, welcome back, sir. Rich, good evening. Great to be with you. Thanks for having me. You bet. You know, I, I love that you point out that you, the title Unwoke, but the uh, subhead there, How to Defeat Cultural Marxism in America. And listening to Pramila Jayapal and really any Democrat out there, uh, it shows me how cultural Marxism has infected the Democrat Party like nothing I've ever seen before. I'm guessing that's part of the impetus of why you wrote the book. But what what really uh, sparked it for you? Well, that's exactly right. I, I, like millions of Americans, are looking at what's happening in this country, and I'm horrified. We are losing this country. And, and I wrote this book to explain what the hell is happening. And in particular, what we have seen in recent years is the radical left seizing control of every major institution in America. And, and so this book explains how that happens. And, and each chapter focuses on a different institution. So the book starts with the universities, chapter one. And, and, and I call the universities the Wuhan lab of the woke virus. They're where it started, where it was invented, where it mutated, and, and, and where it spread to everywhere else. The next chapter is K through 12 education and all the garbage that is being indoctrinated on our children. From there, it goes to journalism. From there, it goes to government. From there, it goes to big business. From there, it goes to big tech. From there, it goes to entertainment, Hollywood, movies, TV, music, sports. From there, it goes to science and the politicization of science. And the final chapter in the book is on China. And it explains how China is a central nexus connecting all, all of the other institutions. And, and what this book does is really two things. Number one, it explains how, how and why the cultural Marxists seized control of these institutions, and they did so from inside. But then secondly, and this is even more important, it lays out a clear practical battle plan of steps we can and need to take to take these institutions back. Because, Rich, if we don't take these institutions back, we will lose this country. Well, Senator Ted Cruz, I think you're 100% right on this stuff. And uh, I see it in, in so many ways. Uh, in pretty much any news article we see, we see how it's, it's really uh, infecting our society, our culture. And I guess for the sake of uh, the time that we have the next couple of minutes, maybe you could tell us a little bit about how it, it, it seeped its way in. And then uh, when we come back from the break, we'll discuss the, the battle plan, which is what I think so many of our listeners are eager to hear. Uh, but obviously the universities were taken over by, you know, these liberals that subscribe to Marxism, taught Marxism. But I, I feel, and maybe it's my own naivete, um, that it, it was something that was kind of like um, laissez-faire liberalism, but now it's really far left, hardcore Marxism, or was it always that way? Well, you're, you're right. There's been a shift. And, and what the book does is it traces, it traces the history of Marxism. And Marxism obviously originated with Karl Marx and writing the Communist Manifesto. And he laid out his worldview that the world is inevitably a conflict, and it's a conflict between oppressors and victims. And, and Marx saw things in socioeconomic terms. So for him, the oppressors were the owners of capital, and the victims were the proletariat, the workers. And, and the solution that Marx argued for 
was the violent revolution of the proletariat to overthrow their oppressors and to use government power to forcibly redistribute the wealth from the oppressors to the victims. Now, what I describe is how in the 1960s and 70s, Marxists began infiltrating universities. They began uh, being named tenured professors and going into the, the administration. From there, Marxism mutated. It had all sorts of different forms. One of the first forms was critical race theory. Critical race theory used the same Marxist frame of a conflict between oppressors and victims, but instead of the difference being socioeconomic, it mm-hmm. framed itself exclusively based on race. It views America as irredeemably racist, and it views this nation as a battle between oppressor races and victim races, and what it calls for is the violent revolution of the so-called victim races to overthrow the oppressor races. From there, it transmogrified to gender and sexual orientation and gender identity. And, and, and what we saw as it spread, it spread to the schools of education, and it ended up infiltrating K-12 through education. It spread to the schools of journalism, and it began infiltrating uh, our major media outlets. And, and, you know, it used to be that the approach of the Marxist was just engage in a violent revolution, which we've seen across the world. But in the 1960s, Marxists in the United States were using violence. The Weather Underground tried to blow up the Pentagon, for example. And we had in 1968 the violent riots outside the Democrat National Convention. That turned the American people against it. And this book details how the Marxist theorists said, look, to, to take down America, it can't be a frontal violent assault. Instead, it needs to be from inside what they called the long, slow march of institutions. And, and that's what we've seen playing out. Yeah, in fact, we do. I think they uh, and I think there's even conflict amongst Marxists where there's some Marxists that want to uh, continue with the violent overthrow and uh, revolution and others that want this kind of cultural revolution, uh, kind of like the way the Chinese have declared uh, unrestricted warfare on our country. So uh, we're going to get jump into the battle plan on how to fight that straight ahead. And we're going to do that with Senator Ted Cruz. He's the author of Unwoke, How to Defeat Cultural Marxism in America. Brand new hardback. It's been out for a couple of days. You want to make sure you get two copies, one for yourself, one to give away. This is a good read and you don't want to miss it. Folks, it's Rich Valdez with Senator Ted Cruz. We're coming right back. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. 
Uh, by the way, your ratings are up. Congratulations. Thank I had somebody. It's always nice to check. I like to see, <laughs> even if they're friends, I like to see how are they doing. Are people listening, right? That's but right. But you're, you're doing great. America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, familia. Welcome back, amigos. We're on with United States Senator Ted Cruz discussing his new book, Unwoke, How to Defeat Cultural Marxism in America. And we've, we've been discussing how uh, this Marxism has crept into so many areas of our culture, um, schools, the military, uh, your workplace, even your 401k. It's really a kind of insane. And so many of us feel helpless. We could talk about it. We could complain about it. But we haven't had a clear roadmap on how to fight back against it. Uh, but Senator Cruz has written the book, Unwoke, How to Defeat Cultural Marxism in America. I recommend that you get two copies of it. And Senator, let's break down that battle plan. Sure. Uh, so each chapter in the book ends with how we fight back, and it lays out specific steps to take the institutions back. And, and there are really three principal tools that I advocate using. The first is transparency and sunshine. And it's worth remembering, the ideas of the radical left are wildly unpopular. No rational, reasonable person supports abolishing the police. That is a nutty idea. No rational, reasonable person supports open borders, the chaos at our southern border. No rational, reasonable person supports the surgical sterilization and castration of young children. And no rational, reasonable person celebrates the atrocities of Hamas terrorists. All of these are wildly unpopular policies. And so the left maintains them either by power and coercion or through indoctrination. They deliberately target children and young people, and they target the organs of transmission of ideas. So when we shine a light, we can take it back. So, for example, K-12 through education. Mm -hmm. Take a look at what happened in Loudoun County where a boy dressed in a skirt sexually assaulted a teenage girl. The school district denied that it happened, covered it up because their ideology was more important than protecting their students, and actually had the father of the victim arrested. Well, that prompted moms across Virginia waking up and getting pissed off. And we went from a state that in 2020 voted for Joe Biden by 10 points to one year later in 2021, the state flipped red and elected Glenn Youngkin governor. That's the power of just transparency. When people realize and they get pissed off, and we're seeing this all across the country, taking school boards back. That's tool number one. Amen to that. Tool number, And it's powerful. It, it is, if you can empower people to know what's going on, they don't agree with it. The left thrives in darkness. Mm -hmm. Now, tool number two is increasing the costs, the harms of going woke. And so, for example, in my chapter in the book on big business, I describe how a few years ago a rational CEO would give in to, to the woke mob because the costs of doing so were relatively minor and the benefits were enormous. They didn't come for you with pitchforks and, 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 and torches and burn you down. Now, that terrain changed, and I discuss at great length what happened with Bud Light and with Target, both of which lost tens of billions of dollars. 
and, mm-hmm. and, and both of which have a powerful disincentive for the next CEO thinking of going woke. Yeah. Those are two very important strategies. The third strategy, Rich, yeah. is I encourage conservatives and libertarians with resources to invest and purchase organs of transmission of ideas by a newspaper, by a radio station, by a book publishing house, by a movie studio, by a, a record label. The left has always valued ideas. The right undervalues it. And, and the example I use for this that, that is really prototypical is Elon Musk buying Twitter, which was the single biggest development for free speech in decades. We need to replicate that 100 times over. I, I totally agree. And I think we're seeing a lot of that, uh, probably not as much as either of us would like, but definitely seeing more and more um, free speech platforms, um, news channels and whatnot. And as they pop up, the left seems to increasingly try to stop them, whether it's through big tech or removing them, yes. deplatforming them, taking them off of the app store. It's absolutely crazy. Well, it's the exercise of power because it goes back to the first principle I said. Their ideas are unpopular. So when Joe Rogan began daring to speak up against the, the COVID propaganda, what right. was the response of big tech? Silence him, deplatform him, because they couldn't defend their ideas. Their ideas were indefensible, and, and that's a sign of weakness. If you're comfortable in what you believe, you're not afraid of dissent. You're not afraid of debate because you can defend yourselves. The, the radical left, their ideas don't work. They're unpopular and they're extreme. And so they rely on force. That is a sign of weakness. And so every chapter I lay out strategies, okay, let's go at that weakness and, and, and retake these institutions. You know, Senator, it's uh, it's the weakness that you're describing also comes across as a, a fear based approach. I think people might want to do the right thing, but they're afraid of the woke mob. And I think we even see it yes. with um, some of your colleagues, uh, some of uh, the Republicans in Congress, whether it's on this Hamas issue, whether it's on the on the budget, on uh, these continued continuing resolutions. How, do you think it's the same approach? I mean, it, it's hard to. Um, to hold members of Congress accountable. Yeah. Look, a lot of members of Congress, they're afraid. They're afraid of being criticized. They're afraid of being attacked. The left has weaponized the media, so they go after you if you dare stand up. And, and, and it causes a lot of people to back off. But, you know, you mentioned Hamas. You want to see in, in the nightly news tonight the manifestation of cultural Marxism. Look at the radicals who are, who are viciously anti-Semitic, wildly anti-Israel, that are protesting on college campuses, that are harassing Jewish students. Look at the viciously anti-Semitic squad in the House of Representatives. Listen, in the last two days, we've seen a, a, a story about Jewish students at MIT, one of the greatest universities in the world, prevented mm-hmm. from going to class because of rabid anti-Semitic mobs threatening their safety, and they're saying they don't feel safe at school. This is the cultural Marxist. They use force and power to attack their enemies. And, and Rich, I was recently talking to a very successful Silicon Valley entrepreneur who's a man of the left. He's a Democrat. And he asked me, he said, where did this nasty anti-Semitism on the left come from? 
And I explained to him that for the radical left, they have coded Jews as oppressors, and they have coded Palestinians as victims. And so therefore, the cultural Marxists root for, they support the violent overthrow of the victims against the oppressors. And even if it results in the murder of civilians and the rape of women and children and the slaughter of infants, Marxists are perfectly happy to deal with those. That is, in their view, a justifiable cost for the Marxist revolution they support. The more we discuss it, the more it seems like wokeness is tantamount to godlessness, and it's something that has to stop. Folks, we're on with Senator Ted Cruz. Amen to that. And he's got this amazing book, Unwoke, How to Defeat Cultural Marxism in America. Do yourself a favor and get a couple of copies, one for yourself and one for your most liberal friend. They're going to love you for it. Unwoke, How to Defeat Cultural Marxism in America. Grab the hardcover now. Uh, Senator, where do they go to get the book? So, Rich, it it is in bookstores all across America. It's on Amazon.com. It's on Barnes & Noble. It it is on Books A Million. And and I'll tell you, it's rocketed to the top of the bestseller list. That annoys the hell out of the New York Times. And (laughs) and, and I will tell you that the book, it's not an abstract academic tome. It it has stories. It's real world. It's interesting. It's a fun read. And so I encourage you, as you were just saying, get a copy for yourself. But also Christmas time is right around the corner. Buy a copy for your mom. Buy a copy for your best friend. You know what? You ought to buy a copy for your kids because they need to understand the garbage that that they are being indoctrinated with. And this book is designed to give you information, to entertain you, and to give you the tools to fight back and take our country back. Well, amen to that, folks. Go go to the website. Get the book. um, Get two. Give one as a stocking stuffer. Senator, I want to thank you for being with us tonight. You are a gentleman, a scholar, and a patriot. Godspeed to you, sir. God bless you, Rich. Thank you. You bet. All right, America, there is more to come straight ahead. Your calls and a whole lot more. Don't move a muscle. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. And uh, to the phones we go. Let me see. Where is my phone screen? I don't think I have one right now. Tell me who we got. We've got Denise in Egg Harbor Township, New Jersey, listening on WOND. Go right ahead. Okay, um, regarding your um, your comment about the um, dog tags, um, I don't know where the that that mentality came from that we're putting wanting to put other things on a dog tag, but it's it's not a piece of jewelry. Um, so that you know, clear that up. It's supposed to be your identification if you can't talk for yourself. So right, well, I'll tell you where name. the idea came from. 
The United States military, the Department of Defense, um, contracted a company called Shields of <clears throat> Strength and asked them to create these dog tags for service members that were interested in having um, a verse from the Quran, a verse from the Bible, a verse uh, from from the Torah on their dog tag. So the, the military sanctioned this for soldiers who want this, and it was optional for them until um, another organization, I forget what they're called, Military Freedom Foundation or something like that, filed a lawsuit uh, against the Army saying, hey, you can't have this because it violates the Constitution's Establishment Clause. It's almost like a military endorsement of religion. Um, and, and they're in court now. They've been in court for over a year. Uh, but that is the genesis of it. That's how it started. And it was d- during the um, Iraq War that they kind of started doing this. And the military actually requested it. And what they, the way they found about going about it was they required Shields of Strength to be a to be registered with the United States Army Patent Trademark Office in order to continue producing these shields. It was a technicality because they knew that they, you know, it was a small business and they weren't able to do that. And what's more interesting <clears throat> is that it was a totally free service. Uh, this company actually donated these things. So it, it's just, it, it's another example of how somebody who didn't like something that was working just fine since, I think it was 1997, uh, that they started doing this stuff, um, n- now stop doing it because of a, of a complaint. And clearly what this is is a violation of of the soldiers' constitutional rights because if they want to have something on their dog tag and it's the military, if, if the Pentagon that's allowing it and asking them to do it, um, why not? But this tradition was taken away at the complaint of a, an atheist organization. So it's in court. And I don't know what the outcome will be. And I agree with you that the original intent of those dog tags was to to um, provide identification if they can't speak, if, God forbid, they should be killed. Uh, but it became something a little bit more uh, throughout the years. And um, I, I've seen reports of some people saying that they would, um, you know, um, the, the Bible verse they referenced was uh, Joshua 1.9 and uh, saying, you know, reciting this verse to one another as they were like leaving a foxhole. And it, it, it's been troubling to those that, that are in service and pretty much everybody, uh, including Lloyd Austin. He was actually part of the, of the, the, the people that welcomed um, Shields of Strength uh, to offer these dog tags to service members. But because of this lurch towards wokeness that we've seen in the U.S. military, um, Sadly, now it's no longer an option. Denise, you with me? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So that's kind of. Yeah, go right ahead. Um, it should only have four things on it, which was initially done during, I guess, you know, World War One. Your name, your serial number, your blood type, and your religion. Period. That's it. All right. Well, I thank you for that. Folks, we continue with the rest of your calls and more straight ahead. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez.
America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, familia, welcome back, amigos. We continue with your calls and more. Let's go to Janice Streaming, KFXZ, New Orleans, Louisiana. Janice, welcome. Hello, how are you? I'm doing great. That's good. That's Thank really you. good, Mr. Valdez. I wanted to tell you that um, I like your show, and I think you're a wonderful man. I really do. I enjoy you, and I'm glad that you had Mr. Cruz on the program this evening. I really do like Ted. He's, he's such, a, such a smart man, and I have his book, and I'm, I'm in the process of reading it. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, thank you for your kind words, Janice. I appreciate it. How are things going in the Big Easy? Well, um, let's see. Cars are being broken into and stolen. And uh, just a couple of days ago, two streets over from me, a man was shot and unfortunately died in the hospital. So we have a lot of things going on here, and I just wish, you know, that we had a, a better mayor. Uh, we are going to have a better governor, uh, Mr. Jeff Landry, won. So next year he will become the governor of Louisiana. Yeah, one of the few um, um, wins that we saw from that that evening on Election Day. You know, Janice, mm-hmm. lamentably, we see so much of um, what you're talking about, whether it's wokeness or the rise in crime, which is, in my opinion, uh, directly related to this woke culture that we have. And it's not just happening in the Big Easy in New Orleans. It's happening all over the place, New York City, where I am, mm-hmm. um, all over the country. And I think the only place they're cleaning up might be um, in California. Gavin Newsom's bringing in some people to California, and they decided to clean up San Francisco a little bit and remove the uh, homeless encampments that you see on the street. It's it's a real shame, and uh, all we can do is hope that things will start to change. Uh, do you think um, Biden is a shoe-in for 2024 or what? Absolutely not. He's an <laughs> idiot. <laughs> Good. I'm glad you told us how you really feel. Well, Janice, I want to thank you for the call. I really appreciate it. God bless you. Okay. Take care. Folks, we continue our conversations as we uh, progress through the evening. Uh, We're just getting started. We've got a lot more to discuss. A very inspirational story uh, coming up about a husband and a wife that uh, battled illness together and uh, came up with how to redefine victory and have a new book on love, loss, and living with no regrets. And, and this is a, um, it's important. I think we, we get beat down with the news all too often. And as we see all this negative news, you start to, it, it, it kind of sticks to you. And you, you have to take a minute and, you know, stop and smell the roses, look up and check out a beautiful sky or sunset or sunrise and realize, you know, things aren't as bad as they can be. The glass is really only half empty if you see it that way. And I, I believe that. Maybe um, that's pie-in-the-sky thinking for me, but I know that I, I fall victim to that sometimes. So a uh, little positivity never hurt nobody, right? Anyway, we're coming right back to your calls and more. Then we're going to talk about big tech and, of course, open phones in hour number three. So don't go anywhere. 
richvaldezamericatnight.com is the website. If you want to stream us live or share it with a friend, feel free. Don't go anywhere. We're coming right back. I'm Rich Valdez. that never sleeps 17 miles from madison square garden new york city it's america at night with rich valdez america's favorite late night talk program featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across america and now here is your host rich valdez Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. Welcome back to the program, hour number two this Monday evening. Our phone number, if you want to join the conversation, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. And a couple of headlines I want to go over with you. Senator Tim Scott has dropped out of the presidential race and... Uh, I don't think there was going anywhere fast, but he did drop out and made that official. Uh, then there was an impeachment a resolution that was introduced in Congress, and that was defeated. Um, Marjorie Taylor Greene had put that out there to impeach Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas for his failure to lead and do what he had to do at the border. Uh, the border remains still the most dangerous crossing in the world, according to the United Nations. And uh, Mayorkas and President Biden and the rest of the administration have not done much. Well, I should say they've done nothing to make it safer, and they've done a lot to make it more dangerous. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. And uh, the Secret Service opened fire on carjackers after they attempted to steal an unmarked Secret Service vehicle that was transporting President Biden's granddaughter. And uh, we'll get into that a little bit later as well. And a 17-year-old in Las Vegas was killed after being beaten by a mob of 15 people. Now, while this isn't being um, reported as a racial hate crime, uh, the victim was a white 17-year-old boy and 15 black teenagers, other boys, were the perpetrators of this and it was caught on video and it's absolutely horrifying to watch. And uh, I can't help but, but think about how the media just doesn't cover these things the way they should. Now, does race matter? Of course not. What matters here is that if it were the other way around, race would definitely matter and that would be in the headline. And I think it's always important to note those things and it's a shame to see that that's happening no matter who, you know, what race the uh, victim is. Uh, the point is we've just got to be honest and either not talk about race or include them in all of them, but don't pick and choose to tell one side of the story. Anyway, then you remember in January 6th, there was the Q Anon shaman, the guy with the big horns on his head, his face painted and whatnot. Well, he is out of jail and he has now filed paperwork to run for the Senate in Arizona. <laughs> we'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, you can't make this stuff up. The comedy kind of writes itself. And, you know, earlier uh, I was um, I was thinking about just how things were just better back in the days. 
I remember being a kid in the 1980s and my, my brother is watching television and one of the shows that they used to watch was The Dukes of Hazard, not the remake, but the original. And it was fantastic. I would watch Bo and Luke, and honestly, he was probably the villain on the show, but I loved Boss Hog. I just thought it was cool, that big car he had, and he was always wearing a cool suit. And it, it was it was a thrill and honor to hear that that Bo from Bo and Luke and the Dukes of Hazzard uh, is going to be a guest on this program. Now, of course, Bo Duke was uh, played by uh, an actor named John Schneider, and he's been all over the place. I mean, you've seen him on the Dukes of Hazard, but he was on Smallville. Uh, he, he's done countless uh, television uh, shows, too many for me to list here. And something cool about him is that he's originally a New Yorker like me, which I think is cool. And something I did not know about him is that he has nine studio albums because he's a country singer as well. And he's also written a book, and it's a very, it's an important topic. It's a very serious book because I think it, it focuses on the positive aspect of, of life. And so often, in at least the news I'm sharing with you, it's not always positive. And, and we always need a, a, a breath of fresh air. So I want to welcome John Schneider. Welcome to the program. Hey, Rich. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a, uh, I live in the South. They call me a recovering Yankee, but I'm from, I'm from, I'm from Mount Kisco, New York. That is so, so cool. It, uh, I know. I'm just the other side of the Tappan Zee Bridge, you know, yeah. up there in, uh, in the beautiful, beautiful part of our, of our country and our state. My brother is a mayor up in uh, Stanford, New York, not Connecticut, but Stanford, wow. New York. And, uh, <clears throat> Yeah, and I actually got my uh, my country music roots came from my dad, who played in a square dance band. Uh, him and a uh, he was a uh, a pilot, and him and a bunch of friends of his were all pilots. They had a square dance band called the Crop Dusters. So, <laughs> so imagine <laughs> what, what a great name! I know, right? All of that coming out of uh, Mount Kisco, New York, and and. Uh, in the world of, of Southern television shows, uh, I think the Dukes of Hazard, as as you had said, you know, it, it kind of uh, it kind of got everyone's attention. And uh, I just did a an event this last weekend with Tom Wopat and Catherine Bach in Tennessee, and the line is still around the block with people who want to come up and and uh, and say they were fans of Dukes. We do have some kids, but. Most of our uh, most of our fans talk about how they uh, they sat and watched the Dukes with their grandparents back in the eighties, and what wonderful memories they have of uh, of a kinder and simpler life. You know, yeah. You know, I, I was listening to your show here, and my goodness, what in the world? What in the world is going on? I wish I lived in Arizona because I I'd vote for him. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. I would because my God, this this person has been persecuted has been persecuted for really sitting in a chair and who was led there by a docent, basically. You know, I've seen the video. We've seen the video. And, yeah. and uh, I just I don't understand what in the world, you know, somebody in this administration is holding an apple in their hands and saying, you know, this pumpkin. And I say, wait a minute. No, that's, that's an apple. I don't know. This pumpkin. <laughs> this is a pumpkin. No, Joe, it's not a pumpkin. It's an apple. Anyway, oh, man. anyway, that's great. I, I could go on. I could go on forever. Well, we, I want to. I want to say one time. thing. Though. I didn't write this book. I didn't write this book. I I 
added to this book, but this was a book that was started by my wife. Well, tell us who, about uh, it. Well, it's called In the Driver's Seat. And six years ago, she was diagnosed with, uh, with stage four breast cancer, HER2 negative hormone receptor positive breast cancer. And uh, it had metastasized to the bone. It was bad, bad, bad things. And she decided that she was going to take her diagnosis uh, uh, in her own hands and she was going to be basically at the helm of what she was going to do. So mm -hmm. she took her doctor's advice and, and uh, she did take the medicine that they, they recommended. She did the things that they recommended. Uh, but she learned, she learned a lot about her, about her cancer. And she, um, she decided she was going to go on a, a keto diet. She read a bunch of books and, and, and we managed together to, uh, how can I put it? We, I, I believe that Alicia and my work together uh, gave her another three years. Amen. And three years of wonderful love, three years of hard work, but three years of wonderful love. And I can't tell you, I would give anything in the world to have three more minutes. Um, so she helped so many people who have been diagnosed with cancer. Uh, kind of take the journey and not be afraid, but uh, to, to boldly take a hold of her diagnosis and make it part of our lives together, brought us closer together. And as I said, I, I do believe that it, it gave her much, much, much more time. And as this was going on, she, she was helping other people and she was writing a book called in the driver's seat. <clears throat> so when, uh, we had beat cancer for, we had about, about two and a half years of being completely cancer free. Wow. And then it, uh, it, it came back. But in that time, uh, she was working on a book and, uh, called in the driver's seat. And as I said, helped so many people have a much better attitude you know, because there's a tendency when 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 someone in a white lab coat says, "Well, you know, you've got you've got cancer." There's a tendency for a lot of people to just shut down and stop living life. You know, it's it's not a good thing to hear. I'm not saying it's a good thing to hear, but you can't just stop living life. You've got to grab life with both hands, and my wife did exactly that. She grabbed life with both hands. And uh, we raced dirt track. I mean, we <laughs> we had, I, I would honestly say, Rich, that, that she had a couple of the best years of her life after her diagnosis because of the way she handled it. And this is a book that's all about that. It's not a book that's going to tell you how to cure cancer, but it's a book that will tell you how to live with it much better than you would if you hadn't read it. Folks, the book is called In the Driver's Seat, Love, Loss, and Living with No Regrets. And uh, it's written by uh, Alicia, uh, Alicia Elaine and, Elaine, yep. and John Schneider, her husband, uh, also known as Bo Duke. And we are, right. we are discussing the book and, and really the amazing story that's chronicled in the book of how they, they took this... Um, 
obstacle and turned it into an opportunity to to make their lives that much richer and fuller and better despite uh, a negative diagnosis. So we're going to continue our conversation yeah. with John Schneider straight ahead. Uh, John, of course, I'm sorry about um, everything that happened to your wife, but I'm actually very grateful to hear of how you handled it because I think that's the type of positivity we need to hear. So we're going to do that, and uh, we I think we have some people that want to talk to you as well on the phone. So we're going to do that straight ahead, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Is America? This is night. This is Rich Valdez. All right, familia, welcome back, amigos. We continue our conversation with John Schneider. Some of you know him as Bo Duke from the legendary TV show The Dukes of Hazard, and we're discussing uh, his brand new book that comes out in ten days. By the way, you can pre-order that book right now at JohnSchneiderStudios.com. John Schneider studios.com. The book is called in the driver's seat, love loss and living with no regrets. And it's a, it's a personal story of his about his wife and her journey, um, with breast cancer. Um, but the, uh, the title again, if you want to get a, a pre-order of it, driver's seat, love loss and living with no regrets. John Schneider studios.com is where you get it. John Schneider, I got to admit to you, and when I saw this title, In the Driver's Seat, Love, Loss, and Living with No Regrets, it reminded me of a time where my buddy had just gotten his license in high school, and he had a, like a 1980-something Chevy Cavalier, and we were on this desolate road in Hoboken, New Jersey, and I was, I was like, let me take it for a spin, and he's like, yeah, go ahead, and I, I would gun in it as fast as I could, and there was a speed bump, and he's yelling, bump bump and i'm like what what bump and i didn't see it because it wasn't painted yellow and this car flew like five feet in the air and i just screamed yeehaw we're like the dukes of hazard and that car hit the ground and it it broke after that obviously but um that's my story (laughs) my dukes of hazard story john schneider i bet i bet uh yeah i I, I, we had to tow it away it was horrible Uh, i'm sure you've heard a hundred stories like that of people trying to be cool like you i love stories like that you know it's so great and and listen i want to uh i want to explain to folks that uh my bride alicia she spoke to so many people during her during her diagnosis during her treatment during uh during our dirt track racing i mean like i said you know you've got to uh you you can't just give up so she spoke to so many people uh, because if you if you just turn yourself over to the uh, to the cancer industry, and I'm not saying anything bad about it, but it is, it is an industry. Sure. You know, your your oncologist has a thousand patients, and you and your husband or you and your wife have one patient. So it is up right. to you to navigate the navigate your diagnosis. If you just put your hand or put your life in the hands of, of uh, the oncologist, chances are you will not be here very long. Now, there are many people that Alicia gave advice to through uh, uh, the Truth About Cancer, which is an organization in uh, in uh, Nashville, which is where I am right now. 
uh, online through the many, many different things that we had done. We did videos on YouTube and all kinds of things. There are many people who have beaten it who are, are still here and who will probably be here for another 40, 50 years because right. of the advice that my wife gave to them. So I, I don't want people to think about this book as a downer. This is not a downer. This no, is a book that will help you navigate. It's a, yeah, absolutely. There was well, no one I, more inspirational. I, I just want to say, I say that it's inspirational because your story with Alicia has affected people. I've got a caller right now calling in from Canada yeah. uh, who, who, who I'm going to put her on for just a second. Okay. Uh, but she, it's about how you, that your story is proudly, uh, profoundly affected her. Uh, let's go to Megan in neck, neck I don't know how to say that. Canada, Megan, go right ahead. Hey, hey. hello, John. I, I want to thank you personally really quickly for, oh, hello, for, for boldly sharing your journey in grief and healing with so many people with your daily letters. I, it has been, oh, thank you. you know, I, no, I want to thank you. This is, this is, there are a million people that follow this page and the people who know and understand and, and have a, been emotionally touched by your sharing. And it's just, it's been a journey for you. I, I feel for your journey. I think we lost her, but it's no doubt, it's no doubt that you've made such an effect. Uh, John, go right ahead. Well, you know, we, we, we are all in this together. And uh, I, I, I talk about it when, when Alicia was here, we talk about folks who have been diagnosed with cancer. And there's a tendency, like I said earlier, to kind of sequester yourself away and, uh, and take up residence alone. And you mm. can't beat it. It's so important that you surround yourself with knowledge, number one. Alicia read every book that she could find. We read them together and we worked together. You have to have an advocate, but you also have to be your own number one advocate when you go to your oncologist. You must ask the tough questions. You must do the work. And you can, you can make, as, as, uh, as Alicia says in her book, you can make the cancer dog sit. You absolutely can. And then you have to spend the rest of your life making the cancer dog stay. So if you start thinking about your diagnosis like that, right? we, we, we refuse to even spell cancer with a capital C. We wouldn't give it that much credit. Good for you. We spell it with a small C in the book, everywhere in the book. And uh, it's, 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 you've just got to be in charge of it or it will take you out quickly. It's all a matter of perspective. John Schneider and his wife, his lovely bride, Alicia Elaine, uh, in the driver's seat, love, loss, and living with no regret. Pre-order your copies now at johnschneiderstudios.com. John Schneider, thank you, sir. Godspeed. You are so welcome. Thank you very much for telling the truth. It's greatly appreciated. America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, familia, welcome back, amigos. And a couple of weeks ago, I mentioned to you that Meta, or the company that owns Facebook, was sued by 42 attorneys general 
And they were alleging that Facebook and Instagram uh, had certain features that are addictive and target kids. Now, the, the lawsuits were brought by uh, 42 attorneys general, both Democrat and Republican from 42 different states, um, suing them, uh, alleging that these features are targeting kids and their hope to protect kids from online harm. Now, Meta has designed its platforms, both Facebook and Instagram, and their other products to keep young users on them for longer periods and repeatedly coming back to the platform is what the lawsuit alleges. And while I use both of these platforms and uh, it's kind of like watching TV, you scroll through mindlessly. um, If I owned one of these companies, I would probably do the same thing. I'd want everybody to be on it as long as possible. So I don't know how this lawsuit's going to end up, but either way, it doesn't make me a fan of these companies. I mean, when you, as soon as I share something they don't like, they don't like me. And they let me know by sending me one of those little warnings saying, oh, you're doing something that is against our community guidelines. And usually it's just sharing a news article, not even something uh, that, that I've said per se, usually just something I've shared that they don't like. And uh, they will try and censor you and I have to fight them. And so far, so good. I've had a good track record of not really getting uh, caught out there. But during the Hunter Biden time, they, they weren't very uh, big fans of mine. And I'm sure they weren't big fans of yours either if you were sharing about Hunter Biden. And it, it brings me to, to this topic of big tech overall. And how do we rein this in? You know, how do we get to this place where we're in control of what we want to do as opposed to big tech? And Tom Kemp's written the book, Containing Big Tech, How to Protect Our Civil Rights, Economy, and Democracy. And that's a book that I want to get into Tom Kemp, welcome to the program. Hey, Rich, thanks for having me on. My pleasure. So let's um, let's dig into this a little bit because I mean, there's no shortage of reasons to write a book about big tech. Uh, obviously, they're doing a million different things out there. But what was the the reason that you decided to write this book? Yeah, so I've been a longtime Silicon Valley-based entrepreneur, investor, and I've, I've also done some policy work as well. And um, I decided to take my experience of knowing what's happening on the ground here in Silicon Valley. Um, I, I've worked uh, with companies that you know, had large databases. I worked for Oracle in, in the past life. I, I founded my own cybersecurity company and grew it to over $100 million. So I just had a lot of experience just understanding this large-scale collection of our personal data how companies are using it. So I wanted to take all this experience and put it together and just make it so people can understand kind of the core business models of big tech and some of the benefits, but also some of the threats, some of which you just brought up. Yeah. Well, um, definitely, like I said, no shortage of reasons there. And I think that's a great one. And you're somewhat of an insider. So you get this, um, a lot better than the rest of us. So maybe you can help us understand, um, it seems like most of them, maybe minus Twitter, are are making money. Is that safe to say? Yeah. Oh, they're they're incredibly profitable uh, companies, and uh, for the most part, their core business model is actually advertising. A lot of it, it's called big tech, but these companies are really big advertising, and their business models are to collect as much data about us as possible. 
And uh, with that data, they then sell access to us uh, for advertisers. Um, and to your point, they want to keep us on the platform as much as possible to collect more data and serve more ads. And in the past, that was okay, right? But we now have a situation where they have such huge data stores about us that oftentimes this data can actually be used against us because they now know very sensitive personal information about our health, about our religion, um, et cetera. And I don't think it's just healthy for our democracy to have uh, these companies having such a stockpile of information uh, on us. And then when you look at AI, that data is going to be fed to AI to further keep us on their platforms. Um, and so there's a lot of concerns that uh, our data can now be used, you know, for Gen AI, our voice, our images, that they will they will leverage that and uh, serve up content. And so that that's a concern as well. When we're talking about our civil rights, what are some of the threats that you perceive and that you discuss in the book? Yeah, I mean, actually, there are things that, that have actually happened. Um, for example, you know, with Google and Meta, you can use their advertising system to be very, uh, if you're a business, to, to target individuals. So say, for example, you wanted to target young women with kids and you want to sell diapers, for example. And, mm -hmm. and that, that sounds great. But the problem is that same advertising system where you can be really micro-targeted can actually be flipped around to the point where people can say, I actually, for this rental or for this job, I don't want to have those people, you know, uh -huh. young women with, with children, to see the ads. And so that's, a, that's a, one example. Or using our healthcare data um, that they've collected and maybe giving us different um, insurance, uh, health insurance rates, um, or maybe denying us coverage, even though uh, we didn't provide that information to them as well. So those are some of the examples of how the information could be used against us. But probably the worst is the fact that there's a lot of um, information collected about our actual location. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, uh, Representative Matt Gates uh, recently said, "Hey, these, in this case, these are data brokers that 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 are built on top of the big tech advertising system. You know, they're collecting if we're going to churches, they're collecting if we're going to cancer clinics, they're collecting other information about us as well. Um, and so, I just don't think it's it's good for society to have people be able to track our exact locations." Now, when you talked about the implications with one's health care data. Was that limited to the example you just gave, if you go to a hospital or a cancer clinic, or is there another way that they get one's health care data? Yeah. And so the, 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 the big tech companies have direct relationships with us and, and they, they collect that information. And, you know, if something comes up, those tech companies can be subpoenaed um, to get our information. Um, but there's also, they, especially in the case of Google and Meta, they provide an advertising system. Um, and there are these third-party entities called data brokers um, that leverage that advertising infrastructure to collect information. And we don't have direct relationships with these data brokers. And so they'll, they'll capture our searches, what websites we visit, 
and they actually just go ahead and sell that information. And so what recently came out was that data brokers were selling information about military personnel and their health conditions. And these researchers even set it up so that they faked as if they were coming from uh, overseas entities to buy this information. And that raises a lot of flags um, that uh, foreign governments um, can actually um, buy this information. And, you know, there's a, it's a big threat for our national security. If you can, if you can track the location of military personnel and, and, and buy sensitive information as well. So we basically live in a data economy. I mean, the, the monopolies in the past, Standard Oil, were just, you know, incredible size, but they didn't know everything about us. And, and that's the fundamental issue is that we just have a serious overcollection of our information. And then there is a concern that that data will be put into the AI blender. Um, and just like artists ha- have copyrighted material, you know, our, we have, in effect, copyrighted material, which is our personal information, our voice, our images, et cetera. I don't think you, Rich, would want someone using your voice for an ad, right? Of you know, course not. Um, that, that, exactly. And I think that there's a concern that all of a sudden you will have, you know, Tom Kemp's, you know, serving Tom Kemp ads, um, you know, for products, et cetera. That's where it could go. You could literally wow. have little bots that, that represent you trying to personalize to you, trying to serve your ads as well. So I fundamentally believe that we need rights associated with the the collection of our information. And it's a shame that we don't have a federal privacy law, for example. Folks, we're on with Tom Kemp. He's the author of Containing Big Tech, How to Protect Our Civil Rights, Economy and Democracy. And Tom led the campaign and marketing efforts in 2020 to pass California Proposition 24, the California Privacy Rights Act, CPRA. And we're going to talk a little bit more about uh, how we can fight this because uh, I didn't know it was, I knew it was pervasive, but I thought it was more TikTok than, than Meta. But it seems like they're all up to the same um, misdeeds. So we're going to continue this conversation straight ahead. Our phone number, if you want to jump in the, this conversation, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. across America to the liberty-loving Latino, Rich Valdez. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, familia, welcome back, amigos. We are continuing our conversation on big tech with Tom Kemp. He's the author of Containing Big Tech, How to Protect Our Civil Rights, Economy, and Democracy. Right before the break, we talked about how this um, intrusive collection of our data can put us at risk. And I want to continue that because Tom mentioned something that I thought was, you know, in the news every day, which is AI, artificial intelligence. And 
how that comes into the picture. And we, we hear so much about AI and the dangers of it, if it's in the wrong hands and whatnot. And Tom Kemp, um, where do you see the future of AI going? Yeah, I mean, AI has actually been around for a while. I mean, most AI uh, involves automated decision-making. So AI has been used to trade stocks and things of that nature. And AI does a lot of good. I mean, you know, medical advances, safer cars, voice recognition, personal assistance, et cetera. But I think most people are, you know, seeing what's happening with generative AI. And in the case of big tech, you know, they're going to leverage the data they collect about us to generate and personalize uh, the experience more for us. And so, you know, I think we're most many of us are familiar with TikTok. And oftentimes people say, geez, TikTok knows me better than I know myself. They know what videos um, to serve up next. And they're just constantly collecting micro signals in terms of how we're interacting with specific videos. And I think. What's going to happen with um, big tech is that they're going to continue to use AI to keep us you know, further scrolling on the screens and interacting and, and, and serving even more personalized uh, ads as well. So there's a lot of good happening with AI, um, but I think there's some concerns that uh, it may use us to provide more addictive technology uh, to keep us on our phones, to keep us on some of these apps, uh, et cetera. So I think that's the concern that that I have. And I think adults can deal with this, but you know when when you hand these type of things over to kids, they they don't have the same guardrails that adults have. Do you see legislation coming forward to address some of the um, the vulnerabilities that you discuss in the book um, becoming a reality? Well, things are happening at the state level. I mean, obviously, look, you know, things are really broken in D.C. And so uh, we do not have a federal privacy law where it gives us the right, the rights to know what's being collected about us, the right to say no to the sale, the right to, to have our data deleted from different companies that collect us. And, and so that's kind of the core of what a privacy law has. And so what's happening is at the state level. And uh, as you mentioned earlier, I I worked on um, one of the first privacy laws in the U.S., which was the the California uh, privacy law here. And uh, I was also able just this couple months ago uh, for most of the year, it, it was signed by Governor Newsom, a bill called the California Delete Act that gives consumers the ability to have their data deleted from all these data brokers that buy and sell our data as well. So the the action is really happening at the state level. My concern is that if the federal government does something with AI, that it doesn't take into account the data that would be fed into AI and giving people rights. Um, Mm. And so much like, as I mentioned before, you know, you're a content creator you wouldn't want people scraping and using your content or using your voice, et cetera. And yeah. so I think we need protection on our core data, um, you know, just as much as we may need some guardrails in terms of AI and just even just basically knowing, is this content that I'm looking, is it machine generated uh, or is it human generated? Because I think things are going to get really bad come the election with, with deep fakes that, that can yeah. fool people, uh, um, et cetera. 
Folks, we're on with Tom Kemp, uh, tech policy advisor and uh, cybersecurity expert, company founder, and the author of this book, Containing Big Tech, How to Protect Our Civil Rights, Economy, and Democracy. I always recommend getting two copies of the book. And uh, we're coming right back with him. We're going to wrap up and get his final thoughts on this as we move forward. Uh, like he mentioned, the uh, 24 elections coming around the corner and deep fakes keep popping up left and right. Some of them are funny but some of them could be dangerous. We'll talk about that and more straight ahead. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. America. The book is Containing Big Tech, How to Protect Our Civil Rights, Economy, and Democracy. The author is Tom Kemp. He's got a ton of experience in in the Silicon Valley world, and he spells out how we can contain big tech in this book. Uh, Tom Kemp, uh, final thought to you. Where do we go? Are, do you think ultimately we're able, we as we the people, are we able to contain big tech or... Uh, is this um, a battle that that we may not, in fact, win? I think we can. I, I think part of it, it, it takes education. And I think the, the key thing for your listeners is if they're concerned about their data being collected, they can take things in their own hand and reduce their data footprint. For example, on an iPhone, you can turn on this feature called app tracking transparency to block third-party trackers. Uh, or on your Windows browser, you can use uh, a free plugin like uh, it's called Privacy Badger uh, to block third-party cookies. And then you can actually go into Google and Meta and turn off the personalization. You can go to myactivity.google.com using your Google account, and you can you can turn these things off. So I think you know key is educating people that they can take ownership um, and reduce their data. Uh, and then I think also on both sides of the aisle, I think people are, are realizing that, you know, we need to put some guardrails in place. And I, I'm certainly not prescribing airline safety here right? Um, where you need a thousand checks. I think, but you could do something like car safety, you know, like put the baby in the back, <laughs> right, right. you know, uh, let's have some airbags, et cetera. And obviously we've had some incredible innovation over the last few years with, you know, Elon Musk and Tesla and uh, electric cars and other things. And so you can balance innovation um, with advances in, in technology and protecting people as well. So I'm confident that we can do something here. Folks, Tom Kemp is the author of Containing Big Tech, How to Protect Our Civil Rights, Economy and Democracy. Get yourself a couple of copies of the book. Tom Kemp, I want to thank you. You are a gentleman, a scholar and a patriot. Thanks for staying up late with us. Hey, thanks for having me on, Rich. You bet. More to come straight ahead.
live from the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez, America's favorite late night talk program featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. And this third hour of the program this Monday night is Open Phone America. That's where you get to weigh in. We take calls from all over the country on every topic that's important to you, not to mention the ones that we've discussed tonight. And as always, if you've missed any of the interviews we did today or any other day, you can listen to them anytime you want for free. That's right. Just go to richvaldezamericaatnight.com, richvaldezamericaatnight.com, and you can listen to any of the uh, interviews from any day. Uh, they're all archived there on the website. And a couple of things we've been talking about tonight, we talked about big tech and the importance of you know, living your best life, even when you, you have a bad diagnosis or a bad situation. And that was really impactful with um, John Schneider earlier. And uh, we also discussed um, how wokeness is infecting our culture. We had a conversation with Ted Cruz earlier, uh, infecting schools and universities and workplaces and the military and, um, and, and so much more, the media. And it, it just fascinates me that, you know, the military in the United States is supposed to be the, the biggest, the best we've ever had, right? And I, I saw an ad the other day or a meme, one or the other, a meme of an ad for the United States military. I forget which branch. And it showed several military officials having a conversation with the, with the ash, the assistant secretary of health, uh, Rachel Levine, who used to be Dr. Richard Levine. And they were all a bunch of like cross dressers or, or recently uh, transitioned individuals. And it, it was just, you know, bizarre that, you know, some of the highest uh, level ranking officials in our military are are transgender. Now, I know some people think, oh, Rich, what kind of bigot are you? I'm not being bigoted at all. I'm just saying I just never thought we'd see the military look that way. And may, many suggest, uh, even people that are part of the LGBTQ community, suggest that with a military that's this woke, it only hurts our military instead of helping our military. And I, I, I think I agree with that. But wokeness is, is a big deal. And it's, it's affecting us everywhere, especially in the media. And in the media, it's a foregone conclusion that Trump running for president again would be the worst thing ever for America. This is just a foregone conclusion. Despite the record that he had, despite Biden's um, lack of support, I think only 24% right now of Democrats say they're better off financially under Biden. Despite the, the poor polling, everybody's still, um, you know, they're like, yeah, well, Trump's really evil, right? Despite the facts staring them in their face, they're still going to be anti-Trump. This new poll from the Financial Times and the University of Michigan uh, show, shows voters 
don't approve of Joe Biden's job performance on economic issues. Even Democrats say their financial position has worsened over the course of his presidency. 31% of Democrats said that Biden moved into the White House in January 21, and since then, they've become either somewhat worse off or much more worse off, with only 24% saying their position has improved. That means 76% of people don't agree. That's a bad number. Now, voters more generally are less optimistic. A combined 16% say they are somewhat uh, or much better off under Biden, while 32% say they're somewhat uh, more worse off and we're in a much worse financial position. And that's Joe El Baboso Biden. So things aren't going well uh, for Joe El Baboso Biden, but all the media can do is explain how terrible things would be if Trump were reelected. And and I think it's interesting, but Jen Psaki, Jen Circle Back Psaki, Silent P, of course, uh, she's got her show on MSNBC, and she said that if elected to a second term, President Trump would prosecute anybody that he deems an enemy. But, of course, it's Biden that's tripping up the stairs every now and again. Listen to this. The hand-wringing and cocktail party speculation about an alternative to Joe Biden is continuing, will continue. Guess what? Joe Biden isn't perfect. No candidate is, by the way. But we have to understand what the alternative is here. If elected to a second term, Donald Trump would prosecute anyone he deems an enemy, unleash troops on protesters, and essentially unravel the rule of law as we know it. And this time, he plans to align his administration with people who will actually help him do it. But sure, Joe Biden is three years older and occasionally trips over things. Look, there's a lot to be concerned about right now when it comes to a second Trump term. The speeches are getting much more disturbing and much more unhinged, and we should all hear it that way. Well, Jen Pacerco back, Pasaki. Uh, unlike your program where you don't play dissenting voices like mine or anybody else's, uh, I play yours on my program because I want people to hear what you have to say. And, and I, I can't help but think, I think people can make up their minds for themselves. I don't see why. Trump can't go and do rallies. And why doesn't MSNBC decide to play portions of the rally? She says that these things are getting much more unhinged. Well, why don't you play some clips of, of Trump in context? Don't cut them down, right? I always play long cuts here. Not Sometimes we do some short ones, but for the most part, I want to give you the entire thought so that nothing's taken out of context. I'm not splicing one sentence just so you can hear a piece. I'm giving you 30 seconds, 40 seconds, a minute, minute and a half, sometimes two or three minutes if it's necessary, because I want you to hear the complete thought. And that's all I do is play audio of Democrats. I may I play some of Republicans, too, but I want you to hear what the Democrats have to say, because it's so important to know how the other side is thinking. Right. And uh, and I say the other side based on my opinion. But everybody is saying that. Trump, 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 this is going to be bad. My buddy who used to uh, run the Cuban restaurant, they've since sold it during the Biden years. They, um, he in particular, my buddy, he would always tell me, listen, if Trump gets reelected, it's going to be four years wasted. He's going to spend four years getting revenge. And of course, I would egg him on and say, well, that's exactly what he's got to do. 
He's got to go and imprison all his political prisoners, <laughs> his political enemies. And, you know, the way Biden's doing now, right? He doesn't like Trump. He's got four indictments against him. He, he doesn't like this. He tries to do that. Doesn't like the New York Post article about his son. He gets, you know, uh, his buddies in the FBI to go get jobs at, at Twitter and, and block it from coming out. It, it's sad to see, but that's where we are today. And I can't help but think that everything they're claiming Trump will do, Biden's already done. Anyway, I want to know your thoughts on this and more. We're coming to your calls momentarily. 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. so glad to be on your show, Rich. It's just an amazing broadcast that I hope the rest of America listens to every day. America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez with you till 1 a.m. It's Open Phone America. We're going to get to your calls right now. 833-482-5337-8334. Valdez, let us go to, let's see, where do we go? We've got calls in Montana, Maryland, Idaho, and Michigan. Let us go to Michigan, Shields, Michigan. Let's check in with Kim. She's streaming KDKA. Thanks, Rich. Another excellent show. Um, Thank you. Uh, just two quick, just you're welcome. Just two quick things I wanted to talk about. I hadn't heard about the the Las Vegas uh, news story about the um, young white boy that was defending his friend from being robbed, and right. that um, gang of fifteen black people beat him to death. Well, they beat him almost to death and he died in the hospital. But um, that upset me so much. 15 against one, stomping, kicking, hitting. Uh, I mean, it, and he, all horrific. he was doing was protect. Hor- it, it, that's kind of stuff just, it, it makes me not be able to sleep. And I just want to point out something to people. Um, if you don't want to have labels, uh then you then if you don't want to be labeled as vicious and and criminals and looters, then you shouldn't beat up fifteen black people shouldn't beat up one white boy for being a hero, and you shouldn't loot the miracle mile because what did Martin Luther King say? He said you you should be judged by the content of your character, and the whole world is seeing this um you know, and they're labeling a certain race 
and it's all their own doing. And that's what I want to say about that. And I just want to make how upsetting that story was. But just this is kind of a lighter note. When President Trump wins, God willing, can you imagine the next day at the unemployment office when the Biden circus freak show goes to get unemployment? You'll have bearded ladies and four inch spike heels. And <laughs> you mean uh, the, the folks in our military? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, are you asking me what I think of the woke military? No, I'm saying that it, it sounds like you're describing that ad I saw of folks in the military, which was a bunch of uh, like seemingly look like crossdressers. And, and it was, um, you know, it was supposed to be advertising diversity in our military. And I'm thinking, come on, you know, um, this doesn't add up to me. But yeah, I, I think you're right. And, and on the other front, um, yeah, you know, people will stereotype people of all, of all types, of all stripes. And it's important for us, for all of us as human beings, irrespective of race, conduct yourselves accordingly, conduct yourselves appropriately. You do the right thing because, you know, ultimately, of course, you're representing you and your name and your family name. Um, But in this world where so much of our media lives their lives through the lens of racism and all they see is color, all they see is sex, um, you better uh, think twice before you do what you do to make sure that you're not, you know, ruining uh, the rest of, of 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 your family, your family's tradition, your family heritage, all of that. I think that's how I've raised my children. It doesn't mean they're not capable of making errors, but it does mean that I I did what I feel is my best to teach them the right thing. And I always, I would always tell them, listen, if you get tempted to do something stupid, think twice. Last thing you need is somebody going, oh, those damn Puerto Ricans, blah, blah, blah. You know, I mean, this is what my parents taught me, and this is what I teach my kids. Um, And again, do I really care what other people think? Obviously, you know, I don't. That's why I do radio. But we still need to do the right thing. That's incumbent upon each and every one of us. So, Kim, uh, thank you for your call. I do appreciate your thoughts on the matter. And uh, I want to go to Paul, Zanesville, Ohio, W-H-I-Z. Paul, go right ahead. Oh, crack. Out of the ballpark, uh, Rich. Another great show. Love that John Schneider and all the other guests. Thank but, you. Um, you know, I, yeah, I just wanted to say something about Donald Trump. Um, you know, he, he keeps telling the American people time and time again that he wants to make America great again. Now, pertaining to what you were just talking about earlier, when um, they think that he's going to go after all these people, meh, he might go after a few. But the first one he should go after, <clears throat> excuse me, is my, my Orcus, okay? Oh, yeah. Go after him first. Yeah. And I hope Donald Trump's friends, which you have him on um, when you um, do your break. Sometimes he said, Rich, this is a great show. And I have friends that listen. I hope they're yeah. listening to this because, you know, um, he, he was a good president. He really was. And I just hope that um, and I've heard eight. I'll tell you what, eight out of 10 people I've talked to. I'll ask them, well, who are you voting for? Because I have a way of getting under people's skin. You know, no, no way. Oh, Not you, Paul. Talk about that. No, not me. <laughs> but anyway, they'll tell me under their breath, Trump, I'm voting for Trump. I don't want to tell everybody, but I'm voting for Trump. This man is going to be the Republican uh, uh, candidate uh, this time, and I see him dropping off like Rick Scott and so forth. Um, I, I just really don't see um, uh, how it is anybody but him, and I hope he remains strong and, and does what he says he's going to do because I think he can bring this country back, and I think he's our only hope. Listen, I, I'm, I'm with you on that one. 
And, and I always want to clarify because, you know, people misunderstand me and you probably. I agree with the statement you made. Trump's the only hope. And it's not because he's Donald J. Trump from New York City, uh, although in part it is. But it's because right now he's got the platform. He's got the momentum. He's got the experience. He's got a proven track record. So while Jen circle back Pasaki, Silent P, is out there saying it's going to be four years of, a, you know, whatever. No, it, it's not. It, it, I don't believe that to be um, the case. I think Trump, the first time around, wanted to make sure that we were profitable as, as a nation. And I think he did that up until COVID was thrust upon him. And uh, I think spending got out of control. And then he was out after that. And then Biden continued the out of control spending and got us into a problem with inflation. And here we are. But ultimately, uh, I agree with you. I think Trump has the track record and he just needs to keep talking about it. And you're right. Getting rid of Mayorkas would be great. And they tried to uh, have an impeachment um, vote on him today and it didn't work. Some Republicans, I think eight Republicans blocked it from actually happening. And we can't move forward with that type of thing. And I'll get to the audio on the Mayorkas stuff straight ahead. But it's it's very sad, but I agree with you. I really do. I think that Trump has the best shot to win. He's uh, best positioned. Some people think it's other candidates that are better positioned to uh, to win in 24. That's their opinion. My, mine is Trump is the guy. Trump shows the, the wherewithal that you need. Trump shows command of the issues. And in, in my opinion, he, he's the way to go. I think people will do a lot better once the economy begins to rebound a little faster. And uh, with Biden in charge, you never know what the next um, scandal is going to be, right? <laughs> Every day there's a new scandal. So I, I think you bring a solid point there, Paul. Now, I, I wanted to ask you a question about, um, what was it? I, something that you said, and I wanted to circle back on it. Um, oh, yeah, getting under people's skin. Um, do you feel like you're getting under less people's skin and more and more of the people who may not have voted for Trump last time are now willing to vote for Trump or have you not had those conversations? Well, they're just seeing the economy. Number one, you know, um, that's the main issue. I think a lot of people, a lot of what's going on in the, over there, you know, in the, the, in Israel, in the middle East. Uh, I think you're right, Paul. I got to cut you short because the music means they're kicking us out. But when you look at Biden's, uh, the latest poll that I just talked about, 24% say, yeah, he's doing a great job. I'm better off today. That means 76% don't feel that way. And that's a huge number and a big red flag. Paul and Zanesville, thanks for the call. Folks, it's Open Phone America. We come back with your calls and more. I'm Rich Valdez. And he's breaking it down. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. All right, familia, welcome back, amigos. We... We have a crazy story on our hands. I want you to hear this. Listen to this headline. 
440-pound man convicted of killing his girlfriend over bread breadcrumbs in their bed has been freed from prison due to their poor diet, his poor diet from the prison. Now, of course, several things come to mind with a headline like that. I think, wow, how does this even happen? So this guy kills his girlfriend over an argument over breadcrumbs in the bed. He does a year in jail and then he he's released from jail on murder charges because he's gotten too fat in jail. This 440 pound Italian man who's in prison in Italy, he stabbed his girlfriend to death during an argument because of breadcrumbs that were spilled in bed. And now he's been freed from prison after serving only a year because the court ruling says that a high calorie diet, which is currently served in this facility could kill him. His name, Dimitri Fricano, 35 years old from Bella, Italy, brutally slaughtered his 25 year old girlfriend, Erica Preti, when they were vacationing in Sardinia back in 2017. He stabbed her 57 times after she, um, she, she yelled at him for leaving too many breadcrumbs in their hotel room bed. So listen, at the time when he was sentenced in 2019, this guy, Fricano, he only weighed 260 pounds. He was sentenced to 30 years on this murder conviction, but because of delays, because of COVID, he didn't begin serving his prison term until April of 2022. Now, over the past year, his weight has ballooned to more than 440 pounds. Isn't that crazy? So now the Turin Surveillance Court has released Mr. Fricano from prison on the basis that he, he can't eat what they serve in jail. The court ruled last week that the convict can't remain behind bars because he's incompatible with the prison regime. That's a quote. Unbelievable. Because he's so fat, what makes it makes it difficult for him to get around without a wheelchair or crutches. And he's also a chain smoker. I mean, this is the most bizarre story I've ever heard. You get too fat in jail, then you're good. Uh, this guy, Fricano, he, he, <laughs> unbelievable. It says that being in jail puts his life at risk because prison officials are unable to provide the low-calorie diet that he needs in order to lose weight. This is according to the judge. Fricano is going to serve the rest of his sentence under house arrest at his parents' house near Milan, where he can get access to a healthy diet. They should say, all right, you know what? You're going to be out of jail for, I don't know, six months. You better drop, you know, 80 pounds. And if you do, then, you know, we'll give you another six months, drop another 80 pounds, and then, you know, whatever, some some sort of thing, and then put him back in regular jail. Uh, this decision by the court has made the victim's family freak out, and rightfully so. They said that this attempt uh, for him to skirt the system is shameful. <clears throat> And the father said um, to the Italian newspaper, Corriere della Sera, um, the evening courier, 
No one will give me back my little girl. But for us, the pain is still too strong for him to release this early. Unbelievable. And that's uh, her father, Fabrizio Preti. He said it was like receiving a stab in the heart. Unbelievable. So that's that's where we are. This guy murdered his daughter, this other guy's daughter, and now this murderer guy is on the loose. And it made me think that this is a big story in and of itself, right? But I'm thinking, what on earth are they feeding people in prisons in Italy that they get so fat? And where are they getting all these calories from? Well, I found an article from a few years back, several years back, in the Times London. And the menu's based on typical Italian cooking, including pasta and minestrone and other Mediterranean specialties. But listen to this quote from the article. The coffee is superb in prison, prepared with extreme care and attention. And sweets and pastries are made with as much imagination as possible, given the environment. Which probably explains why Italian jails are the most overcrowded in all of Europe with 120 inmates for every 100 beds. And that's as of 2020. So, I mean, th this story is nuts on so many levels. But to think you can murder your girlfriend, stab her 57 times, and then because you're too fat, since when does that matter, right? No justice because you're, you're fat? No justice I'm obese. No justice. Obese. I mean, it's just absolute insanity. Anyway, uh, I want to get your uh, thoughts on this and everything else that we've been talking about this evening. <clears throat> Let me see. Where do we go? Let us go to Frank Evergreen, Montana, KOFI. Frank, what's going on, my man? What do you think about this guy gaining so much weight in prison and then getting released? Oh, God. Uh, I think there's a, a, a solution to that, possibly like what we're doing here in Montana. We're going to have a, a sewage treatment center and combine with a county jail and get the methane off of that to fuel the county vehicles. And, uh, and then the methane will uh, heat the building and it'll reduce taxes. And by gosh, they could probably eat whatever they wanted. You know, I love more good old methane, huh? Than what they're doing now. Yeah, run it off methane. Yeah, but anyway, Ooh, but uh, powered by farts. Anyway, I, I, wanted to, I wanted to make a comment on uh, some Republican strategy for uh, Trump's successful reelection. Mm -hmm. I think he should con he should convert to Catholicism, have the Pope. Or give him all his sins, and that way he can go over the heads of the Supreme Court. So, uh, <laughs> it's, it's Speaking of the Supreme Court, they just added new ethics rules after everybody was complaining about Clarence Thomas. And uh, they're very similar to the existing rules. And, and Frank, I don't know, tell me if I'm wrong here, but it seems like they do a whole lot of that in Washington. Things that are already, rules that are already in the books, you know, it's like you're not allowed to kill people. They'll come back and say, well, you're not allowed to murder people. Well, there may be a distinction in that in the Bible. There's clearly not one in a court of law, right? Um, if you kill somebody, you're going to jail. But it's just so interesting to see the way they, they twist these things around. 
Now, what's your thought on Biden and the economy? Oh, God. He's got to resign. He can't, he can't ruin this country for another year. It just takes forward. I, I agree with you. Out. I think they have to throw him out, and I don't think we as a nation can survive a, another uh, term of, of Biden in the White House. Uh, look at the damage we've had to oh, date. God. Bad shape. Frank in Evergreen, Montana on KOFI. Thank you so much for your uh, comments. And uh, I appreciate hearing from you. It's always a pleasure. Folks, we continue with your calls and more straight ahead. 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. So we continue our conversation with uh, Americans of every stripe from across the fruited plain. And um, we've been discussing wokeness and how this um, cultural Marxism has been infecting all of our society. And it's truly sad. We also talked about big tech, not the least of which to be infected, also has just way too much control, way too much power. And we've got this Italian guy. Uh, who's in prison in Italy, who's out of prison now. He's on house arrest because he got too fat. And again, what kind of precedent does that set? You, if you gain massive weight, they'll let you out of jail? Was this uh, a way to skirt the system? I don't know. But either way, this guy's a nut job and he killed somebody. Not accident, not manslaughter. 57 times he stabbed his own girlfriend. That's nuts. Anyway, let's go to the phones here. Uh, let's check in with Sarah. She's in Bedford, Indiana, WBIW. Sarah, go right ahead. You're on with Rich Valdez. Welcome. Hey, great to talk to you. Great show as always. I'll try to make this quick. Two comments. One thing is, is our only hope really is to split the country away from the Democrats. Your call screener made a great point saying that that really would be a nightmare to even try. But the point is, the left does not intend to respect our rights. And we're headed towards tyranny, and I think if people had studied the Khmer Rouge in Cambodia in the 70s when they took over, they stirred up ethnic strife. Um, like Pol Pot, they, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. And so I think we've got something like that, and if we're lucky, we could fight a civil war, but if not, we're going to be right in that tyranny. Second point is, I'm going to escape this all because I'm going to go to Italy and rob a bank, go to jail, <laughs> eat a bunch of cannolis and seven layers, gain 400 pounds in a month, and then they can let me out. <laughs> and you're going to have good coffee while you're there. That's right. <laughs> That's funny, Sarah. Now, let me ask you, we talked about Biden also with only 24% approval on the economy. Uh, do, do you believe that that 
Biden's able to turn that around by Election Day? Absolutely not. No, no, he won't. But that won't stop the press from implying that things are getting better. And, you know, they don't have yellow dog Republicans, but they have yellow dog Democrats that vote for yellow dog as long as it's Democrat. And the problem is people may not like Biden, even in the left. They know he's kind of a lame duck, but it's anything but a conservative. And that's what I'm afraid of. Yeah, I agree with you. And what do you make of these Republicans that um, joined with the Democrats to stop the Secretary of Homeland Security, Alejandro Mayorkas, from being uh, impeached today? Those Republicans are making a mistake. It's that whole, hey, if we play nice to Democrats and make concessions and try to be buddies with them, uh, maybe they'll be nice and respect us. It's kind of like people right before the Soviets rolled in would try to kowtow to the local communist partisan group, and then the Soviets rolled in, and guess what? They were the useful idiots. Those Republicans that want to kind of turn the blind eye of the Democrats' wrongdoing and try to quote-unquote get along are the, the ultimate useful idiot, but eventually useful idiots become useless idiots. Well put. Sarah in Bedford, Indiana, thank you for your call. And, uh, folks, we're going to continue with more from your calls and uh, everything else we've got as we wrap this thing up straight ahead. The phone number, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. So there was a roll call vote in Congress today to impeach Alejandro Mayorkas. Check this out. Wherefore, Alejandro Nicholas Mayorkas thus warrants impeachment and trial, removal from office, and disqualification to hold and enjoy any office of honor, trust, or profit under the United States. Now, the resolution was brought by Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene of Georgia uh, saying that Mayorkas has allowed an invasion across our borders. As Secretary of the Department of Homeland Security, Alejandro Mayorkas has violated his oath to uphold constitutional duty by allowing the invasion of approximately 10 million illegals across our borders. But eight Republicans joined with Democrats to uh, kill this thing. Listen to this. On this vote, the yeas are 209 and the nays are 201. The motion is adopted. Without objection, a motion to reconsider is laid on the table. And that was a motion to um, to shelve the bill. Now, who are these eight Republicans? Well, I'll tell you. I'm glad you asked. Representative Patrick McHenry of North Carolina. He was the uh, temporary speaker last month. 
Representative Tom McClintock from California. Representative John Duarte of California. Representative Virginia Fox of North Carolina. Representative Daryl Issa of California. Cliff Bentz, representative from Oregon. Representative Ken Buck from Colorado. And Representative Mike Turner from Ohio. Now, I don't know why they did that. I mean, some are saying they all had skin in the game one way or another. They had um, funding coming to their district from the Homeland Security Committee, uh, which was getting it from, you know, they needed the support of the DHS in order to get it. Uh, I I can't tell you. My suspicion is likely that, A, they um, didn't want to be... uh, on board with everybody else or B that they're in a district where this, they feel this could hurt them and they're just being afraid either way. Uh, they tanked Marjorie Taylor Greene's resolution and had it been successful, it would have, um, ended the process led by Mayorkas at the border known as the open border policy. Uh, at least that's what I like to call it. And it would have tried to um, get him out to get somebody in there that would actually secure the border. But nope, not enough. Let's go to Paul, Boise, Idaho, streaming the show, Rich Valdez, America at Night. Paul, go right ahead. Thanks for taking my call, Rich. Yeah, Just a couple of things. One thing about Met, you had some good uh, people that you interviewed on the show tonight, and uh, I want to address the guy that was talking about Meta. Sure. Yeah, that's a that's a huge corporation. I don't know how many billions of dollars, but it's a lot. Yeah. And uh, they they managed to for the 2020 election, they gave over 350 million dollars to the Democrat election. Yeah. Well, you know the way they covered that up was they did it by way of a, a foundation they set up between the owner of Meta and Facebook, Instagram, uh, WhatsApp. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg, and he gave the the money directly to the Democrats for that voting operation in the foundation in the name of him and his wife. And uh, yeah, we, we've discussed that in the past. And I think it was um, it wasn't the right thing to do, but they were ultimately not found guilty of any crime there. And it just made me wish I had as much money as him so I could influence things. Now, what do you quickly, what do you think about um, is not getting impeached. Was it a good thing or a bad thing? It's a bad thing. I agree, Paul. Thanks for your call, my brother. Godspeed to you, folks. Hasta la próxima. Take care. Good night. And God bless America. I'm Rich Valdez. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.